Welcome to Shirelle Be Your Own Hero podcast, where we will discover that we can be our own heroes in our lives and that we don't have to always look outside for a mentor and for really somebody else. I'm not saying that's a bad thing to do, but I'm saying that sometimes it might be better to realize that you can learn here in your life because sometimes it's hard to find somebody else who can fulfill that goal. And it's also can be very uplifting for you to realize, oh, I believe I be a hero for myself by loving this um, unfortunate traumatic event that I went through whether it was abuse or abuse or um, losing a loved one or losing a friend or um, having a relationship in or losing your job that you feel able to rise above that incident and be able to like, strengthen you and to destroy you with your people. And, you know, speaking from personal experience, I've definitely have had some of those experiences in my life. And I have chosen to let them strengthen me. And yes, they have been times where they've broken me down and um, made it harder for me to live because I've been depressed or I've been. Um, no more anxious or nervous because of them. But ultimately, I don't let myself, myself as well in um, that state of being broken down for a very long time. I got myself back up. Do you think I was to therapy? And by surrounding myself with very supportive friends and family and those that were able to help me, I've gotten me through that. Really. And so today's episode will be about the general uh, view of personal things that I've gone through that I consider I've been a hero in my life. And then the next episode will be going into more detail of those, of some of those events and breaking them down into how they have um, affected and changed my life. They have impacted me more today than uh, how they impacted me when they when I first disclosed about them and when I was first feeling pain. Feeling was an ongoing process, it doesn't happen, unfortunately. <laughs> and I think that's actually definitely in disguise because in order to feel and let go of something completely, you're going to be working on Oh, and also I will want to interview others who have gone through similar experiences, like I mentioned at the beginning of this um, introduction. So please email me if you want to be interviewed, and you can go into your experience as much as you are comfortable with, and be able to um, share what you're comfortable with. Because um, I know sometimes it can be really personal. It can be hard to open the problem. So I will leave my email in the contact description for you if you are interested. All right, good evening. I mean, late afternoon. 
um, but it might be evening depending on where you're listening from, or it might even be tomorrow. So I hope that this has been a happy Friday for you and um, a good start to your weekend. Um, at least for me it is because I have Fridays off because um, I work on Sundays at least half the day. Um, so a little update. Um, I am still um, working through some personal things, uh, but I am doing better with the migraine condition that I have. I got Botox last week and um, it's been helping a lot in terms of feeling um, more like myself and um, early starting to um, because it made the migraines tolerable which they weren't for a while. And um, I'm happy about that because um, that's what I need. Even if I'm having them daily still, at least the pain intensity went down so that I can manage my um, workload a little bit better and um, be able to uh, you know, get through the day more easily. Um, so, all right, on today's topic is going to be about MLB, the process of letting go and forgiving, not forgetting. And actually, as always, you can apply these to yourself if you don't have NLD, if you're neurotypical or if you um, are neurodiverse, but you have ADHD or maybe you have more than one learning challenge. Um, so here we go. Let's jump right into it. Have you ever tried to let go of something from let go of something that happened to you in your past? Um, was it challenging because of you being neurotypical or neurodivergent? Have you tried to forget what happened in your in the past and realized all you can do is move on or let go at your own pace? I've been through all these challenges with NLD, my sexual abuse family drama related to disclosing the abuse. Um, my first romantic relationship and ending homesickness and being bulimic in college and my con artist experience during COVID. I bring these experiences up not to make you feel bad or sorry for me, but to help you feel not alone if you have gone through similar things or if you know someone who has. Unfortunately, these kinds of experiences can happen to anyone, even if you're neurotypical. I don't want to discuss, sorry, discount, minimize, or say it's easy to experience these things as a neurotypical. But as a neurodivergent, it feels harder for me. Sometimes I feel alone because I'm the only one in my immediate family who is neurodivergent. Yes, my family really supports me and helps me in any way they can. And let me clarify, I'm the only one that I know of who's neurodivergent in my uh, immediate family. I think I got it from my dad's side of the family, but I'm not sure because he was adopted. Uh, I'm never gonna know if it came from his side of the family or not, but I think it did. So, um, this episode might be a little triggering for you if 
you uh, have experienced some of the personal things I'm going to talk about, um, or it might just be emotionally hard to listen to. So if you need to do it slowly, you're welcome to do that. If you need to skip it and listen to something else, that's okay too. Excuse me. Or if you need to um, come back to it later, um, that's okay too. Um, listen to what you need to do, okay? So it took me a long time to create a good set of coping skills for healing from the sexual abuse, family drama, breakup, and my con artist experiences. It took me seven years of therapy to do that, and I'm still in it. I'm not done. I will never forget those experiences. I need to move on and let go of them. It'll be challenging, but I think I can do it. There was a point in my life when the abuse and family drama didn't have effect on me like it does now. That was before the migraine started, before I knew about having NLD, college, before college, being homesick, and being bulimic. Um, I could have handled, sorry, I could handle all that because of being through the sexual abuse and a lot of family drama. I go into that in more detail in episode 30 of year one, if you'd like to listen to it. And not that you would want to listen, I mean, that you would like listening to that, but you definitely can if you want more information, because I'm not going to give all of it um, in this episode. Um, but back to saying um, letting go least talking about that. I know that letting go is like a dimmer switch. You will have to do it at your own pace. Um, No one can rush you through it. You may not always have control over what happens to you or what you experience in your life, but you do have control over your choices and how you respond to what people say. I would like to share with you a quote that helps me when I feel like giving up. Quote, I think it's brave that you get up in the morning even if your soul is worried and your bones ache for a rest. I think it's brave that you keep on living even if you don't know how to anymore. I think it's brave that you push away the waves rolling in every day and you decide to fight yet again. I know there are days when you feel like giving up, but I think it's brave that you never do. Um, That is from Lana Raphael. And um, okay, (laughs) that's enough about me. Let's look at some articles from other neurodivergence, or me fellow neurodivergence. I'll try to be better with summarizing in this episode, but honestly, I'm not very good at that, sorry. Um, the first article is titled letting go is difficult, but allows us to grow by Martina Musis. Sorry, I might've said that wrong. Um, whose hashtag is actually autistic perspective, females and autism written on January 2nd of 2021. And let's see. It's not weird that I'm not so good at letting go because holding on is what I've always done. Letting go is new and growing hurts. 
let it go, let it go. Looking at this way, looking at it this way, would it not make much more sense to alter our attitude in order to look for opportunities in every situation? If we do that, we are taking another step where we use change to become stronger. But in order to do that, we have to let go of our previous ideas and detach. And while I say I want that, something in me does not want that at all. I don't want to let go. I want to control. And that is why I'm often frustrated, unsatisfied, angry, dissatisfied, and disappointed. I hate it when things go differently than I planned. Put it into perspective. If I don't meet that deadline, will the world end? Fortunately, I don't have that much power. Think of an alternative. Plan B, C, dot, 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 Z. If I don't meet that deadline, what do I do? And also, what is the worst that can happen if that happens? What do I do? Focus on a higher purpose. For example, I'm a magician and the stress and pressure at a concert are enormous. Then I try to think about my bigger why. The reasons behind my actions, I am convinced that mankind, the cosmos, even needs beauty. Thus, I make music to bring people in touch with a glimpse of beauty to let them enjoy it. And does this, sorry, and do these people really enjoy the music significantly? Less with two raw notes during a two-hour rehearsal? Nah. My thoughts about this, uh, that, about that quote. Close. So, I would say that even if I had was stumbling during reading it, I'm sorry about that. That was moving for me because she is, or they, I don't know if it's a woman or not, are talking about um, what they enjoy doing, which in this case is music, and that they are letting themselves um, feel uh, their emotions and they're not balling up like I talked about last week um, and being able to you know put things into perspective like they were saying in terms of um, letting yourself um, reframe a view that you might have for example um, I've had to do that many times in my life where I thought that I was, um, wasn't very good with vocabulary when I had to pause the news so much when I'm listening to it with my parents because I don't always know what the word means in the context. But when I started to um, be able to guess what the word meant on my own and not always have to ask my mom what it meant, that's when I started realizing hey, I'm kind of catching on here. I can do better with guessing the word in the context than I used to, because I used to always have to ask my mom, what does that word mean? In the context of political or um, whatever show we were watching, 
wasn't always the news that I asked. Um, it might have been in CIS or Bull, so it would have been more crime category then there. Um, but what I'm trying to say is that I was too critical on myself, and that was a perspective that I needed to change and am starting to change um, and trying to be more um, mindful of my self-talk and catch myself when it's negative. Um, and eventually, hopefully, I don't have to catch myself and I just say, hey, have more positive self-talk and try to affirm that. Yes, it's challenging, but it's a good thing to work on. Need some more water before I go to the next article. Um, so the second article is titled Failed Relationships in Neurodivergence by Christy Forbes, written on September 11th of 2001. Sorry, 2002. Um, again, that date was wrong. On September 11th of 2021. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not reading really well today. Um, quote, and I think that in neurodivergence spaces, there is overlapping of all that, the trauma, the rejection, the abandonment, the disapproval, and also so much internalized egoism. Today, I was thinking about this and how I've had these experiences even recently, really recently, you know. I could spend hours and hours and hours and hours like I have in the past, analyzing going back through the entire history of my connection with these people and going, what about when I said that? Maybe that wasn't okay. Or maybe they've become friends with that person who I'm not friends with anymore and they said something about me to that person and they're believing it. And instead of communicating with me, they're just gonna ghost me or not be my friend anymore. Maybe I'm too much. Maybe I laugh too loud. Maybe I find things funny that they don't find funny. Maybe I triggered them and they are too scared to tell me. I could do that. It's my natural way to do that as an autistic person with trauma. But I consistently practice now radical acceptance. Acceptance of what is and I am open, oh, sorry, and I open up a conversation with myself. And I do that through drawing, writing, processing, feeling, feeling the pain and the sadness and not getting into, well, you know, I've had so many friendships and haven't, that haven't worked out. It must be me because that's not necessarily true. We all have different ways. We all have different experiences that we bring. And sometimes it's not just about us or one person. So my thoughts about this one about that article and quote that I just read. Um, Christy is definitely reminding me of the times that um, I've had failed relationships um, with neurotypicals or neurodivergence. Um, and they end when you don't expect them to. Um, and I did an episode, I think last year uh, about being ghosted. And um, I think it might have 
been episode 38 of year two. That might be wrong, but I was trying to remember which one. Anyways, that was about ghosting and about how many times it's happened to me and to others as well, neurotypical and neurodivergent. And it was a culmination of different stories because I wanted to highlight um, not just my experience, but others as well and helping people um, not feel alone with that. So I, uh, that's why I did that. And um, I'm sharing that with you because I want you to know that, um, <laughs> I guess I want you to know that you're not alone and that um, you can, you, you can get there even if you, um, like Christy was saying, even if you have to feel the negative emotions and realize that the friendships that you had that didn't work out might not be because of you. It might be because of the other person or maybe it's both, you know, relationships go two ways. They don't, they don't just go one way if they're a true relationship. Okay. The last article, um, It is titled Neurodivergence and Love, Five Good Reasons to Embrace Neurodiversity. Um, and it, it was updated 21st of April, 2020, and uh, also on the 11th of April in 2021. And um, I thought I had on there who that one was by. Let me go back to that link for a second. Um, sorry, I probably didn't catch the author of this one. Um, actually, I don't... S I think it's Dr. K Kathy McConan who wrote this. Um, it's a little hard to tell because I don't see her name's at the very bottom. But um, anyways, this is from um, Couples Therapy Incorporation. And yes, it is Kathy, Dr. Kathy. Dr. Kathy McConan who wrote this, or Dr. K. So Quote, is it challenging to love someone who is neurodiverse? Of course it is. Once you both learn how it is as rewarding or heartbreaking as any other marriage. Okay, so many people right off are going to say producing a reason to love a neurodivergent will be generalizations and these aren't true of everybody who is neurodiverse. They say, and with good reason, if you've met me, sorry, if you met one person who is neurodiverse, you've met only one person who is neurodiverse. But there are generalizations you can make about why to love a neurodivergent and like all generalizations, of course, they won't hold true for everybody. So I'm gonna uh, give the reasons that Dr. Kathy does. Reason one, number, one reason for you to 
why I did love neurodivergent. They'll tell you the truth. A lot of neurotypicals or NTs have an ambivalent relationship with the truth. We like the truth. It is good news. If it is good news or flattering, we're less sure if we're confronted with things that challenge our notion of self or our own goodness. You ask an ND, do you like my dress? ND means neurodivergent. And they are going to tell you the truth. If you don't want to hear the truth, the blunt truth, don't ask them. If a possible answer is going to send you storming out, angry at them for saying whatever comes next, ask someone else. A ND is going to tell you the good, the bad, and the ugly and will do it without malice, without sly intentions. Second reason, if you're kind, they won't cheat on you with someone else. Does this mean that no neurodivergent ever had a sexual affair or that if they have an affair, it means you weren't nice enough to them? Of course not. I've worked with couples where the neurodivergent has an affair and these affairs are distinctly different from the neurotypical affairs I've worked with, a subject from another post. But having to deal with people, especially relating intimately, takes a lot of work for a neurodivergent. In some ways, it is like your dentist wondering if you'll be sneaking off getting an op optional root canal with another dentist. Why, the neurodivergent might ask? Would anyone voluntarily do that? Okay, so I was in the middle of reading that quote. Sorry, I got um, pulled away for a second. So let me back up. Um, so why the ND might ask, why would anyone voluntarily do that? It is hard enough having one intimate intimate partner juggling two is just ridiculous for an indie point of view. Number three, there's no hidden motives. What you see is what you get. Unlike the crafty neurotypicals who can work out sometimes elaborate rushes to achieve their aims, you can pretty much guess the motives of a neurodivergent once you know them well. If not, just ask. Loving someone who is neurodivergent can mean that behaviors can be confusing, though. Um, number four, they will understand your need to be alone. One thing that gets a, one thing that gets a lot with neurodivergents in trouble with their loved ones is the need to be alone. After a great block party where everyone had a ton of fun, they want to be in their rooms for the rest of the day playing video games or reading about the Re French Revolution. <laughs> no, they don't want sex. Um, no, they don't want to invite Falcons back to the house for an evening of charades. They just want to be alone. No offense. Number five, they make excellent fun friends when you share the same interests. Loving someone who is neurodivergent is simply different. No, they don't dish the dirt about other people, and they may not even call you on your birthday unless you specifically direct them to. And 
program it into their smartphone. But they can talk endlessly about mutually fascinating subjects and be enormously interesting and fun. Not every neurodivergent is Mozart or Einstein, but every neurodivergent usually has intense interests that they know a phenomenal amount about. They can teach you things about these interests that you never get from anyone else or anywhere else. They are by and large more than happy and excited to share what they know with you when they aren't overstimulated. Um, a good reason to love a neurodivergent is when you find a common interest, they are likely to know much more about it than you and will be happy to encourage you with, to talk with, engage with you endlessly. Close quote. Um, so my thoughts about that would be that, um, Dr. K or Kathy was definitely um, helpful in terms of the five reasons she gave for loving a neurodivergent. I'll go back over them because I, at least the first sentence that she wrote, I kind of stumbled over each of them. Sorry. So the first reason was that they'll tell you the truth, the blunt truth, even if you don't want to hear it. And second reason was if you're kind, they won't cheat on you with someone else. The third one, there are no hidden motives. What you see is what you get. Number four, they will understand your need to be alone. Number five, they make excellent fun friends when you share the same interests. And I agree with Dr. Kathy because, um, not because of being neurodivergent and being biased, but those are all very true. We are, um, we do make excellent friends when you share interests with us. We do understand your need to be alone because we also need it too. And we'll give it to you if you um, ask for it because sometimes, I know at least for me, it's hard to tell when somebody needs to be alone if they don't let me know. Um, and like Kathy said, there's no hidden motives. We, we, will, um, we will show you what we want to do and we will illustrate that. Um, like she said, what you see is what you get. And yeah, if you're kind, we're not going to cheat on you. Um, we want kindness back because sometimes we don't always get that from neurotypicals. Sometimes they bully us. And when we do get kindness from neurotypicals or other fellow neurodivergents, then we really appreciate that. Speaking from personal experience. And yeah, we'll be blunt with you and tell you the truth even when you don't want to hear it. So like Dr. Kathy said, maybe don't ask for it, um, depending on what the content is. So I hope that episode uh, was meaningful for you and um, that lets you um, think about different ways that a relationship can end or can keep going in terms of... Um, when it ends or if it doesn't. Um, so uh, I will close tonight and uh, hope you uh, have a good rest of your weekend. Bye. I hope you 
were able to get some insight and some lessons and messages out of this first episode of Shiro Being a Hero. And I hope that you will be able to um, use it to help you by yourself through whatever you might be going through, whether it's challenging for you or maybe you know somebody else who's going through something challenging for them. And be able to help them be there and be able to help yourself be there. I look forward to chatting with you next Saturday again at the house. And I, you can be really good.